Hello. Welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 11. The first serious camera I ever used that got me into photography was my dad's Pentax K1000 when I was on the yearbook staff in 1989 in my senior year, and I'm showing my age by saying that. Through the 90s, I was in college, and I wasn't into photography, so most of my photos were taken with single-use disposable cameras, or uh, I bought a Kodak Star 235, I believe it was. It was a plastic, basically glorified disposable camera, except you could reload film in it. But it was like made in Mexico, but it had a made in USA lens. So whatever that meant. But it was basically a single shutter speed with that you took uh, when you took photos in the daylight. And then when you're in dark situations, you turn the flash on and blew everybody out with the flash. Well, as 1996 was approaching, I was engaged and I knew I was going to get married and there's a honeymoon coming and all that. And I knew I needed to step up a little bit better camera, but I still wasn't really into photography. I just needed a better snapshot camera. So I went to the camera store and bought a new camera, a Kodak 4100 or something like that. It was an APS camera, advanced photo system. This was a new system that was out at the time. And if you don't know anything about APS, it's... It was the it's the last new film format that was ever created, and now it's dead. And the old formats like 35 millimeter and 120 still exist, but APS is dead. But in 1996, it was brand new, and it was all the rage, or at least they were trying to tell us it was the rage. I got kind of suckered into buying one, thinking it was the new thing. But one of the reasons I liked it was when you're not a photographer or not into photography as I was at the time, keeping up with negatives was a real pain in the butt. And APS is a drop-in cartridge. And after they developed your film, they gave you all the film back, you gave your negatives back in the same cartridge in this, so you didn't have to store the negatives. You didn't have to put them in sleeves or have them in those paper envelopes where they spill out everywhere all the time like they did when you bought, got your prints back. You got your negatives back in the same cartridge that you took them in tightly wound up, dust-free, you could easily archive. And that was a big selling point for me. What I didn't realize is that APS film was smaller than 35 millimeter. It's kind of between like 110 film and 35 millimeter. I think APS is around 24 millimeter. But I'll be honest with you, I got great photos out of that. Now granted, I was just doing snapshots, but they were really, really good, and I was sold on it. So I stayed with APS all the way till like maybe 99, 2000 when I started taking photography seriously again and went and bought like a 35 millimeter SLR. And digital was also starting to take off at that point. But I was not really. Uh, I wasn't mad about getting into the APS system. Because at the time, for what my needs were, it was a good system. And granted, it was kind of meant for basically family snapshots and pictures of your girlfriend, just snapshots. Like that's, and that's what I used it for. And you know, we went on our honeymoon with that camera and probably used it almost up to the birth of our first child. But by then, digital cameras were getting good, and I fell into that 
into that rabbit hole. But uh, but I'm not sad that I took those photos on APS. They're they're really great for what they were. And I'll talk a little bit more why I'm talking about APS in just a second here because I'm running out of time on this first segment. Now, APS was started by like a conglomerate of a bunch of the major photography companies at the time, Kodak, Fuji, Canon, Nikon, several others. And it was a system that allowed for smaller cameras because it was drop-in loading. You just dropped it in, and there was no way to incorrectly load the film. Uh, the film was a little smaller, which obviously allowed for the smaller cameras. It had three formats that you could use. Um, one was called Classic, one was called HD, and one was called Panoramic. And basically, every shot you took kind of actually got shot in the HD format, which is a slightly more rectangular uh, format than 35 millimeter. And then if you went to like classic, it cropped it to more like a four by six, 35 millimeter type size. If you went panoramic, it's sort of like the cheap 35 millimeter deal where it masked off uh, the top and bottom and gave you a, a panoramic shot. And the point of it was whatever selection you put on your camera would tell the printer when you printed your photos how you wanted those photos printed. If you selected four by, if you selected HD, they'd give you a four by seven. If you selected classic, they'd give you a four by six. And if you had shot the shot in panoramic, they'd give you a big rectangular four by 10 print. The problem with APS was developing and printing, getting prints was more expensive than 35 millimeter, millimeter uh, film so that probably did not do the system any good as far as making big inroads with consumers but um, I say all this because I kind of was reminiscing a little bit about my APS adventures and how I kind of liked shooting it even though it's kind of a defunct format so I was on eBay and I found like nine rolls of expired APS film for like a little under 10 bucks so I'm looking at like a dollar a row for 25 shots on each row and I was like you know just for old time's sake I kind of want to shoot it again I don't even have an APS camera anymore but I bought I, I just bid on it it's like you know if I can get this film for a dollar a row I'll find an APS camera somewhere I mean go to any thrift store you'll probably find some APS cameras laying around because since the film, I think Kodak stopped making it in 2010, Fuji stopped making it in 2011, I believe. So any of the film you find on eBay will be pretty expired. But I still wanted to shoot it just for, I don't know, old time's sake, I guess. I guess I'm reminiscing too much about the, the 90s. I really kind of like the 90s. It was, it was a good time. So I end up winning this film. Wasn't sure if I would, but no one's really bidding on this type of stuff. So if you watch eBay and you're into cheap film... APS is pretty darn cheap right now. No one's buying it. Like, I got this nine rows for just a little over a dollar a row. And the cameras are so cheap. Like, you can get what was considered the best APS cameras on eBay now for, I mean, no more than 20 bucks. There was even some SLRs made for the system. Minolta made the Vectus. Uh, Canon had one called, I think, the IX something or another. Uh, Nikon had a Pronia, I believe it was the name of their APS SLRs. And so you could get SLRs in this system. And you know what the SLRs go for on eBay right now? Like, don't spend more than 15, 20 bucks for functioning APS SLR cameras. So even though I don't have an APS camera and I just won this film, I think I'm going to get one of those 
APS SLRs and just see with like maybe the best cameras made for APS just what this what this film could do well, when used with the top of the line at the time of APS cameras and um, granted the film will be heavily expired but I just want to shoot it just for the fun of it I mean at a dollar a row what do I got to lose I mean it's going to be fun and take me back to the 90s Nirvana I don't know maybe I'll listen to uh, some Nirvana the entire time I was shooting it and bring me back to my college days but I don't know I just <laughs> don't overlook if you're looking for a cheap film it doesn't get much cheaper than APS right now so say you want to join me in this APS mini revival that I'm starting well there are some uh, still some labs that process a APS I know the dark room I believe does and there's several others that that do APS film still it's not cheap but for me I am a home processor I develop my own black and white and color films and then I scan them myself so how am I gonna do that with APS because they don't make developer real developing reels for APS and scanners don't accept APS well there are some ways around it uh, apparently a Yankee Clipper 2 tank uh, tank with the reels apparently those reels you can actually pretty easily make it where they accept uh, APS film at the 24 millimeter size or you could take a developing uh, reel and like do some filing and uh, to make it fit APS film I'm gonna figure out what, what I'm gonna do but one way or another I'm gonna develop it myself because I only got a dollar into this each roll of film. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of money developing it because that's the whole point. I'm not going to do it unless it's cheap. So I'm going to find a way to develop it myself. I believe I actually have a Yankee Clipper 2 tank and reel. So I'm going to pull that out and see if it uh, can make that work. The second question is like, well, how are you going to scan it? Because, you know, all the scanners come with 35 millimeter, 120 uh, film guides for your scanning. Uh, there is a seller on eBay, which I'm probably going to be buying this soon, uh, that makes an APS-sized, um, basically, uh, scanning, uh, I don't know, scanning mask or whatever for APS film. And it's like $24 shipped for the uh, scanning mask or, uh, gosh, guide or whatever to be able to scan APS film. So just be a matter of... Um, to process it, I'm guessing when I had to get in the dark bag and break open that cartridge that holds all your negatives, get it onto a reel that I've either modified or hopefully that one of these Yanker, Yankee Clipper reels will, will hold it, and then develop it myself, get one of these scanning masks on eBay for $24, and I'll be in business with APS. And I'll probably keep my eye out for more eBay auctions where I can get film for a dollar a row. And I mean, I don't know how long I'm going to do this. It's just kind of a way to revisit my younger days before I was into photography and see what APS can do if you're really actually into photography, which I wasn't at the time. One thing that might kind of interest me about it is like, you know, APS, when I shot it, I only got four by sixes done. Like, that's just what we shot. Like, we just wanted family snapshots for the, for the photo album. But what if you blow it up to an 8x10? I never did that. Like, 
I would assume there'll be more grain because of the smaller format. But I'm kind of into grain right now, so maybe with the expired film, blowing them up a little larger than most people did, maybe I'll get some really cool grain and it could be really cool. Be a really fun experiment. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. At any rate, dollar row. What I got to lose? So if you're looking for cheap analog film photography, there's really no excuse. You always got APS out there, I guess. Now, granted, there'll be some issues in the post-processing of it, of the, the developing and scanning, but there's ways around that as well. Anyway, I think that'll do it for this week's episode of The Negative or I, I keep saying this week's, but I've been doing several weeks. So maybe just this episode of the Negative Positive Podcast. My name is Mike Gutterman. You can follow my photography on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. You can follow me on Instagram at Gutterman Photo. And please email me at guttermanphoto at gmail.com I would love to get some feedback some questions, some comments and I know every podcast does this and begs you for all this stuff but seriously it would be nice to hear from some people I'm seeing on my feed that some people are actually listening to this which I can't believe I can't believe people want to hear me ramble but it's very humbling and I, I appreciate it but get in touch with me anyway stay positive Shoot some cool film photos, and thank you very much.